back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shafford, along with... Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 76. Artie, 76. 76. 76 of these things. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. I'm in good health, good spirits. Um, it's holiday season. We got Thanksgiving coming up in two weeks. We got Christmas right around the corner. It doesn't Christmas feel like music it. music on the radio? Right. We got people putting up their trees and lights. You know, we're about to Miss get vacation. It's holiday season. It's 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 a joyous time, so I'm feeling good. Awesome. Well, I mean, you know I'm feeling fantastic. I mean, my Falcons beat the Aints this past yeah, you're, weekend. You're still coming off that high. Uh, I'm still feeling like a champion, Artie. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jared underscore Shaffet, that's a little plug there. Uh You'll see every morning I tweet, woke up feeling like a champ today, because guess what? My team, the Atlanta Braves, are World Series champions. Artie? Well, I'll tell you what, Jared. You can say that every single day for about 350-some-odd days. That's perfectly uh, fine. Until either they go back-to-back or they get unseated. Let's run it back. Artie, guys, if, if if you've got kids in the car listening to this, tell them to plug their ears. Because, Artie, the Atlanta Braves, their fans, we are those motherfuckers. There you go. I was waiting for it. There we are. Artie, number 76. Uh, do you know Do you know who Brady Shea is? Brady Shea? No. I was going to try Carol- to make, a, make an educated guess, but no. Carolina Hurricanes defenseman currently. Uh, about to – his game just started. Uh, they're playing the two-time defending uh, champs. Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. He's a defenseman. Uh, Ooh, Hurricanes Lightning is that is that game on television? Yeah, it's on it's on Bally Sports. No free ads. Um, I, I might want to watch that one. That should be a good one. Yeah, so he's played in 376 career games. He's got 28 goals, 97 assists. I mean, he, he's a dash 21, so minus 21 um, on his career. But I mean, dude, he's also he's an absolute stick on the golf course. Um, I mean, this guy is apparently one of the better golfers in the National Hockey League. Um, Artie, fun fact, Brady Shea was the subject of a SNL skit okay. featuring Chance the Rapper. Did you know that? I did not know that. Shout out Chicago, Chance the Rapper. Anybody, anybody that needs to, go look up that skit. It is by far one of the funniest ones I've seen in a mm-hmm. long time. Um, yeah, it, it, there was a reporter, um, that couldn't pronounce his name because his name already is Brady Shea, Shea spelled S K J E I. Okay. Now, where's he from? He's where's from he America. From? He, he's he's nah. an American. Yeah, he is. No, where's he's he from? Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. Shit. He's from Minnesota. S S K what? S K J E I. Lake what Bull, is his origin, Minnesota. though? I want to know. Is it, that sounds like an Iceland name or something uh, from like he, he, I don't know, he, he was on he was on the Spin Chicklets podcast a couple weeks ago, and I listened to that interview, and they asked him that question, and he said that uh yes, it it is like a uh Icelandic or Norwegian name, but yeah, so Brady Shea. Shout out to him. I don't, I, you know I don't I don't I don't know who he is, but you know. Shout out to the to the guy whose last name is S K A J J I whatever it is, S K J E I Brady Shea, <laughs> number seventy six for your Carolina Hurricanes. But already, I'm also feeling pretty good because uh, 
my East Carolina Pirates, your East Carolina Pirates, the listeners yes, East Carolina sir. Pirates are one win away from being uh, bowl eligible for the yes, first sir. time since 2014. 2014. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that here, here in a minute. But also, Artie, let, let's go ahead and get into what, what's next, what's really front of our minds. It's basketball season now, too. How are we feeling? It, it's it's the best time of year. You got yeah. college basketball. You got college football. You got pro football. You got the NHL. World Series just ended. I mean, you can't it, it is the best time, time to be a year. sports fan. I, I've always said October, November, December are the best times in the in the year for sports. You got literally everything going on. Um, ECU basketball does return tonight. That actually should be tipping off right about now. Uh, as it's we already record. started. Yeah, okay, so it's already started. They play South Carolina State, member of the MEAC. Uh, so, and they are not a very good ball club, at least not from last year. I think they went 1-17. Well, so, uh, we as you be say that, as, as you say that, South Carolina State lead ECU 10-8, to, 10 to 8, 15 minutes left in the first. I first mean, half. it's 10-8. to 8. Okay, whatever. But nonetheless, this should be, it should be, not saying it will be, because, you know, East Carolina's not that great either, but it should be a dub to start – the season one and zero. Yeah, I mean it, it should be. Uh, now ECU is starting kind of shorthanded, um, so I mean you're you're looking at. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to see who has who's not playing. Um, trans the transfer from Boston College. I know he's not playing um, right now. So let's see. Their starting lineup was Tristan Newton, J.J. Miles, Brandon Suggs, Vance Jackson, and Luggy DeBoe. Um, Alex Reyes not not playing. Um, he's a freshman, or he's not there. Uh-huh. Uh, you got Winston Tabs. I, well, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Winston Tabs, the the Boston College transfer, and R.J. Felton are both out tonight. Uh, Coach Joe Dooley said that there was going to be some guys out tonight. Um, I don't know if it's a COVID thing. I don't know what's going on. Injuries. I don't know. Um, but but they're but they're out um, currently. Yeah, I mean we we've got five returning guys. I know that we got I think three or four transfers uh, come in, and then we got six freshmen on top of that. So I mean this is a, a young basketball team. It's a new basketball team. It's going to be a lot of figuring pieces out. I mean it is nice to return five guys that you know at least have a little bit of a core. They're going to be the veterans, obviously of this of this team and of this nucleus. Uh, obviously too early to tell what ECU basketball is going to be like. I know we started the season last year with five and Oh, I believe we started, we started off, um, didn't finish strong, but we got off to a hot start. So, I mean, it's, it's a little too early to tell what we're going to be like this year, but Joe Dooley um, in his second stint back at East Carolina, got this train going in the right direction. And um, I'm excited for some ECU basketball. And we got fans back. We got fans back in Minji's getting loud for their pirates. Yeah. This this is a team that beat number five in the country last year, Houston. Um, Which is a damn now, shame nobody saw. I, exactly. Um, I was just about to say that, but um, I mean this East, this ECU team they they've got uh they've got their work cut out for them because already yeah you you don't you don't have your best player from last year or the, yeah, really you, the last you, you three Jaden Gardner um, arguably I don't know if he's the best player in ECU basketball history, but I know he's top three as far as numbers and, and stats in, in ECU basketball history. So, I mean, you lose a guy like that, you're definitely going to have to be climbing an uphill battle. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, but I, I do think that, uh, 
I do think that ECU is going to have a have a good year this year. Continue to continue to get better and better. We've seen it every year in the American Athletic Conference. They've gotten better um, against better competition. The competition's gotten better, and so has ECU. Now, am I expecting them to finish in the top fifty percent of the league? Probably not. That's, I would that's love what to I was see. Say. What, was, is, what, was, is, what is a good season for Jared Shaffit? A good season. Uh, I'm trying to look at like. I'm, I'm looking at like our 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 schedule. I mean, I think a good season. If you can get above 500, I'm happy. I mean, you got you got to play Memphis, who preseason number 12. Yep. Uh, Houston is, I believe, top 15 in the country. Yep. Yeah, and right now you're looking at it. You've got two away games back to back at Houston, then at Memphis in January. <laughs> so that, those are going to be um, some wild times for, for ECU basketball fans. Could you imagine back-to-back road wins against those two teams? Well, that would mean we're a good team. If, 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 give, you, get back-to-back, if you get back-to-back wins against two top 15 teams, you're, you probably shouldn't have a losing record. You're probably a pretty damn good team yourself. So that's, that's the only way I see that happening. Yeah. I, I I would say that um, a 500 record. I, I'm happy with it. I, I don't want a losing record in basketball. You also, I mean, you got Oklahoma on the schedule this year as well. Yep. Um, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Cincinnati's always good. Um, Wichita State is always good. Um, trying to think, Liberty is usually a pretty tough matchup with us. Uh, a and T can be a ma- tough matchup every once in a while, um, yep. but really looking at our conference play, there, there's good opportunities. We're, we're usually looking at some good wins against USF, Tulane. Um, th- those are usually the bottom feeders of our conference, along with us. If you can, if you can, uh, <laughs> if you can edge out a win against Tulsa, um, that that that's always good. And I mean, UCF is always a toss up. So. There's opportunities on this schedule already um, that that I see to to get some wins, but you have to start out hot. You have to you have to play a, a sound game throughout the whole uh, non conference slate. We we don't see um, UNCW, which is usually a pretty big rivalry in, in in college basketball, or for for us at least in college basketball, we don't see them. Um, we don't see App State this year, who's who's usually pretty good. I, I think we have a good opportunity to set ourselves up for the right path during non-conference play. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think middle of the pack. If we can just be middle of the pack, that's a pretty good year in my eyes. I don't see us making really any noise as far as competing for a conference championship. We're just too top-heavy. The American is way too top heavy. They got too many good basketball teams. But if we can be right there, you know, six, seven, maybe eight, you know, that that's a win. That's an absolute win. So yeah. So um uh that that's what I'm hoping to see. If if we can get to five hundred and stay there, you gotta like you said earlier, a bunch of freshmen on this team. Yeah, got six of them. If you you got a young team, guys, I'm not expecting much. But uh, I, I do think that Joe Dool- Joe Dooley knows what he's doing. He's done this before, F- Florida Gulf Coast. He's done it I mean, on a much bigger scale 
at Kansas when he was the assistant coach under Bill Self. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he, he's putting together a, a reputable squad. Um, he's going to get rid of guys that don't fit into his, his scheme. He's going to get rid of guys that aren't good fits in the locker room. Yeah. He, that's what he does. And he, he's made a living out of it. And, I mean, went to, what was it, two Sweet 16s with Florida Gulf Coast or one Sweet 16? And a, I, it's definitely one. I don't know about the two, but I know he definitely but, went to one. I mean, he got out of the round of 64 twice yes. with Florida Gulf Coast. I know that for sure. Yeah. A school that I'd never heard of before then. So, um, yeah, Artie, that, that's that's all I got on, on basketball. We'll, as the season progresses, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll update and get a little bit more educated. On our squad. ECU, ECU is now down 18-11. Yeah. I tell you what, we lose South Carolina State. Everything we just said goes out the window, though. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. switch you. <laughs> Don't make us look bad. No. They'll come back. They'll come back. Um, but, Artie, hell of a game this past weekend. We were both there. Um, the premier podcast of Pirate Nation was well represented. Well represented. In uh, in Greenville, <laughs> in the in the press box on Saturday, unlike oh. some other uh, institutions around East Carolina. Yeah, we won't the, mention no names, but we know. Uh, so, yeah, Artie, how how do you how did you feel leaving Greenville Saturday? Yeah, I, I think I told you this when we were leaving, or at some point, you know, outside of Tulane, that was the most complete football game ECU has played, not just this season. But in a few years, I mean, you want and, and and I'm still a little salty about not getting the goose egg. I mean, I, 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 I really is. I really wanted 45 to zero. Man, I, I, I wanted that so bad. But 45 to three, I'm not losing no sleep over 45 to three. I'm really not. Um, defense continues to get better. I know it's Temple. So we got to we got to we got to pump the brakes and we got to pause a little bit. Temple's not a good football team. Um, but nonetheless, Defense did exactly what they needed to do. They get a little bit better. Offense did exactly what they needed to do, rushing and passing. Holton got it, got it done on his legs a little bit. It was never a threat. They were never, you know, they never scared us. I think it was 0-0 with like six minutes left in the first quarter. That's as close as it was the rest of the game. And then we just proceeded to just steamroll Temple. And they lost confidence. They lost all their juice. They came out in the second half and just, and just knew. I mean, it was 21-0. to and, but they came out in the second half and didn't even really put up an effort to try to come back and win that game. Um, and that's what you love to see. You love to see your team go out and take another team's will. When you take their will and you take their fight from them and they just kind of just like, okay, let's just, let's just call tonight. Let's just go back to Philly and try to regroup somehow. Those are the signs of a good program building. I love to see it. Um, hopefully this matchup, you know, we got to, you know, in my opinion, and I've said this, this is going to be the biggest matchup of the season. You got two teams sitting at five and four because we go to Memphis at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis this weekend. This is going to be the most important test of our season um, as far as getting to a bowl game and getting back to the kind of ECU football that people are accustomed to, which is going to bowl games. Yeah, I think this weekend, I mean, this weekend in we haven't even mentioned who we have on on the podcast this this um, so far, but uh, Memphis Spence is going to join us here in a little bit to talk ECU Memphis. This Memphis team, guess what, Artie? 
lost week one conference play to Temple. And they did. And and they, and their coach talked about that. You know, it was like we lost to Temple and we're playing a team that just steamrolled them 45 to 3. So, but you also gotta look at Memphis and say, well, you you can't you can't predict anything, and you they, can't I mean, really they they just this is a team SMU. that just knocked off SMU. They beat exactly. Mississippi State earlier in the exactly. year. Granted, that Mississippi, granted that Mississippi State win is, is a little tainted, but you're going to have two hundred yeah, teams. But, but you got to you got to admit they did something that we should have done in Dowdy, which was beat an SEC team that's not that great because we should have beat South Carolina. So they did what we couldn't do. So, yeah, I I, 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 I agree. Um, but already. ECU, I mean, you said it. They, they had uh, all in all, they had they had their best game of the year. Um, yes, this past week, they also, I mean, they came out. Coach Houston said it in the press conference. Boys were hyped up. They were worried that they weren't even going to be make it to half to, or make it to the game because they were so amped up they, they were worried it was going to be kind of a letdown they had to kind of rein them in during during warm-ups and during everything else and you could see it already you and i were on the sidelines during warm-ups you could see that they were loose but they were they came out and were putting the work I they mean, knew what the assignment was yep exactly they definitely knew what the assignment was and had uh, uh, this is not throwing shade at anybody. Had Garcia not thrown that that pick, that oh yeah, game, we, that game, we yeah, it would have been forty-five. That game's a shutout. Yeah, that game, yeah. that game's a shutout. And I mean, it. I think ECU looked at. I think the, some of those ECU players, they may say they never, that nobody pays attention to it. But I think ECU looks at that line. I think that might be bulletin board material. Hey, here's this team who's three and five that. It is a 16 point underdog to us. We beat them by four touchdowns. And then they put went out and put 45 up on them and uh beat them what was it 45 3? 45 3. So yeah, I mean best performance we've had over a team in years. And I I think you do the same thing this week. I, I saw the opening line ECU was uh ECU was a 8 point dog. It quickly moved to 6. I don't know what it is now. We'll we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I mean, ECU's got got to do the same thing that they did last week and say, "Look, we can compete with this team." Well, I I, I don't I don't look at that being a six point dog at Memphis. I don't really see that as disrespect. These are two evenly matched teams, and so they're going to give Memphis the touchdown edge just because. Right, I, I got home. a hot I got a hot take but, for you. Go ahead. I got a hot take for you. ECU. ECU is a top three team in this conference right now. No. No? No. You don't think they beat SMU? You've got Cincinnati. You've got Houston at eight and one. Um, And then you've got SMU still sitting at, well. Like I said last week. Outside of Cincinnati and Houston, I'm trying to think of. UCF is six and three. We lost to UCF. So they're actually probably sitting at number three. UCF. That's actually all right. Yeah. So, we're, are are we a top four? Yes, I, I got ECU at four. I got I got I got Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, uh, East Carolina, then Memphis, then SMU because SMU has lost two straight, and I think they're going to keep losing. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think SMU's the real deal. They they've shown it time and time again. SMU's they're they're okay, but they're 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 not the real deal in my and, opinion. And it, they're doing the same thing they did last year. You know, they started off hot and then they they fall back. So yeah, but I I look at I look at this team as okay. You you lose. I mean, and Coach Sil- Silverfield, Ryan Silverfield. Uh, that, that's a hard name to say. I don't know why, but he he said it in his press conference. Look, this is a team that three of their four losses, just like us, have been less than seven points, mm-hmm. seven points or less. I mean, Houston, uh, South Carolina, and UCF are all less than seven points. All, exactly. And I mean, the th- there's a lot of games where. We should have won won those football games, and I think that everybody, coaching staff and and uh, players alike, have all kind of looked at it and said, "Okay, we're we know what we got to do to win." And this is going to be Coach Houston has talked time time again about having a signature win. This Memf- uh, this game against Memphis, you get this win. This is the biggest win of Mike Houston's tenure at, at ECU right now. Oh, w- w- without doubt, this is the signature win for Mike Houston if he's able to pull this off because it gets you back to a bowl game. It gets you back to relevancy, and it probably puts you, like you said, in the top three, if not top four. I, I think they're a top four team in the American anyway. Um, but it-, it gets you back relevant. And then people start paying attention to because you get to six and four and with two games left, and then people are like, okay, there's a pretty decent ball club that hasn't been decent in a long time. Maybe we should start paying attention to this team a little bit and pay attention to what Mike Houston is doing because of the, the regime that was in there before him that could only win three games and couldn't do no more than that and wasn't recruiting and wasn't doing anything substantial to get the kids motivated to play football. So, yes, if, if Mike Houston and the Pirates can go into Memphis, and Memphis is a program that has been at the top of the American the last five to six years. They played for two or three conference championships. Um, I don't know if they've won one, but I know they played for a few of them. They win eight, nine, ten games religiously a season. They won eight games last year. Memphis is one of those programs within the conference that if you can beat them, then everybody around the American starts to pay attention to you. Yeah, I'm looking up to see uh, the last conference championship that they won. Um I know that they went there in 2017 and 2018 because they played UCF, and I think they lost both of them. Outside of that, I'm not too sure if they have competed in any more American. They 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 won the 2019 uh, conference championship against Cincinnati. They went three years in a row and beat Cincinnati in 2019. Then Mike okay. Norvell left. Um, so, I mean, that's that's an excellent program, and Memphis has been at the top for all the talk of UCF and Cincinnati. Memphis is right there as far as relevancy in the American. So, yeah, this this is a signature moment for Mike Houston and his staff. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, Artie, anything else to say about Temple? I mean, you don't get to say, but uh, it, it it was good to see that team come out, beat a team that they were supposed to beat, and beat them handily. And that's, I mean, you look at Tulane, you look at, um, you look at Tulane, you look at USF, and you look at Temple. Those are three games you're supposed to win, and you come out and you handle business. And this defense has been been a big part of it. I, and, and I will say this: 
because I never saw East Carolina beat Temple as a student. As a student at East Carolina University, I never saw my university beat Temple when I was in school. So now it's finally good to see us get some retribution and some payback on a team that kind of really had our number for a while. So, Yeah, I, I agree. So, Ari, let's send it over to uh, – we had a great guest. We did 55 minutes. Yeah, with with our guest. Uh, when's when's the last time we did an hour interview? It's been a while since we've done an hour long interview. Have we ever it's, done an hour long? I, no, I'm I'm pretty sure we have, but it's been we, a we, long time. We we've since. done them where we've done full full show interviews, but not just like a guest joining us, right? To talk to chop it up about ECU and their opponent. And guys, the guy we have on this this is Memphis Spence. So this guy, he, he's one of the I believe it's one of 52 or 54 writers or members of the FWAA that vote on end of season awards in college football. I mean, we're talking uh, the type of guy that votes on like Heisman and votes on like the Blitkinoff and and those types of awards. So that's who we have on. And he, he covers Memphis. um, Great guest. Um, I want to give a shout out to Fear the Wave blog for putting us on to him. Absolutely, uh, yep. they they, rec- they recommended him to us, and uh, yeah, it it, w- it was great. So um, Memphis Spence, you're gonna enjoy this. There's a lot of talk about e- Memphis. There's a lot of talk about ECU. There's a lot of talk about conference realignment and all the mm-hmm. things that go into that, um, and the college football playoffs. So yeah, here it is, our interview with Memphis Spence. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, we are pleased to be joined by a by a, a great guest. Uh, his name is Memphis Spence. He's uh, he's joining us to talk Memphis football and and cover uh, the Memphis Tigers this week. Um, he's also, I mean, he's a member of the FWAA, the Football Writers Association of America, and uh, he, he's won the national voters. So uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be talking to him about um, end of season awards and, and things like that as well. Memphis Spence, how you doing? Man, doing well, man. Th- First of all, thanks for the invitation. Haven't been on this show yet. Uh, Artemis and Jared, I appreciate uh, you guys taking the time to, to get little old me on the show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. <laughs> so, you know, kind of getting right into, I guess, this week's matchup. Because yeah. this matchup in terms of relevancy, it's probably the biggest game in ECU football over the last four to five years for us. We've been in the dumps lately. Um, yeah. you know, both teams are sitting at five and four. Both have a chance to get the bowl eligibility. I can't say yeah. that right right now. Um, so in terms of feelings on the Memphis side, how does Memphis feel about this matchup going into it with East Carolina? See, I, I've been on a, a um, I don't know, a few other podcasts. I was on a UCF podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling them this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, we're playing, we played like 24 freshmen last week uh, when, you know, in, in, in the upset in which we beat SMU. It's going to be – It's uh, we defend our home field pretty well. Mm-hmm. We've only had three losses in the last five years, so uh, it's going to be it's gonna be rough for ECU. However, the real matchup the, – the matchup that I can't wait to see, guys, is your cornerback, Jaquan McMillan, yeah. against uh, uh, Austin. I want to see that matchup. That's, that's going to determine the game, really. Yeah. It's going to be that matchup. And and that's a matchup, quite honestly, 
that I also expect to see on Sunday at some point in time because those two dudes are that good. Both of those good. Jaquan McMillan, he's a, he's a ball hawk. Yes, he is. And it's going to be very interesting to see how a guy like him, he's going to honestly, he may be Austin. Well, there's that kid for Mississippi State. Nah, I think I think Jaquan McMillan was, is going to be the best corner that Austin is matched up with uh, this season, I believe. I have to go back and look at that. But I think he, if not that, he's definitely going to be one of the top three. Mm-hmm. But he may actually be the best corner that that that's going to be matched up uh, against him or across the across the uh, uh, line of scrimmage from him that he's lined up against the entire year. And that's going to be interesting to see. You know, I mean, Jaquan, yeah. what does he have, like four interceptions now, five, somewhere around there, uh, getting about an interception every other game. And um, <laughs> we have a – our quarterback is still a freshman. He may still make freshman mistakes. So uh, Jaquan McMillan, I, I have my eye on that guy because I also I um I'm, I'm a um a voter for the Bronco Nagurski Awards, the best defensive player. So I have I, I'm a defense guy, love mm-hmm. defense, and so I have my eye on him. But that's the mat. In my opinion, that's the matchup. That if if you at the line's going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, because that's that's. That's the number one – Austin's the target this year. Everybody knows it. You know, coming into the season, um, you know, he was on a lot of different wide receiver lists for awards. Uh, he's still – I think he's still top ten in the nation in terms of yards, uh, uh, reception yards. That's the matchup. That's what's going to determine how Jaquan faces off against Austin, I think, is the matchup. What do you guys see? We can't hear Jared. Can you hear him? No, Jared. What? Uh... <laughs> well, okay. So Jared, Jared, when I, I, I think I, I agree. It's it's Jaquan, and it's definitely Austin. I, I think our quarterback play to me is is really going to determine it. Holt Naylor's has been very inconsistent uh, throughout yeah. his career, but when he's on, he he can really get it firing on all cylinders. Um, I to me, you know, I I think our defense has gotten a lot better especially this season in the last three to four weeks. So to me, I think our, our defense is going to show up. They're, they're at least not going to lose us the game. To me, yeah. it's Holton and how he plays and how consistent he can play if he's using his legs and he's able to get 250-plus in the passing game. That's really going to determine if we can actually go into Memphis and beat a pretty good Memphis team that's you know pretty hungry trying to get to six wins. Uh, so for me, I think it's a quarterback play. I agree. Jaquan McMillan is going to have to have a big day. We also got a guy named Malik Fleming who can do his thing. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But to me, I think it's Holton and that matchup against you guys' defense as far – and then our receivers on top of that. There are, you know, our, our receivers, somebody like a Audi Omatosho or a C.J. Johnson or a Tyler Sneed being able to come up big in a game like that in the Liberty Bowl. I, yeah. You, you, you bring up a good point. Go ahead, Jared. Can, can you hear me now? I can. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on with my mic. I, I've been having problems the last two weeks. But um, the, the thing that – sticks out to me i mean the the turnover ratio i mean on on from memphis i mean you've got what five five turnovers on the season i mean that that's yeah. a point that's kind of a place where ecu was a couple of years ago you're, you're talking about a guy like jaquan mcmillan who has four interceptions alone and i know uh, i know warren saba i think he's got two or three on on his on by himself um and, yeah. and a bunch of forced fumbles um so i think 
the key for Memphis is definitely protecting the ball. If they can protect the ball and and keep it moving, then then they're then they should be okay. I mean, you, you look yeah. at Seth Hennigan. You you talk about him being a freshman quarterback. He's got what is it four interceptions over the last three games. Um, yeah, and he he'll throw them. He, he he's a risk taker, but he's also he he's one of those risk rewards. He has to learn. He's having a tr- he's having trouble reading certain defenses. Um, he's okay against man-to-man, there are certain zone defenses that if he's not – he knows enough film that that he can always hit his first progression. Mm-hmm. If that guy is covered, which is usually Austin in a lot of these a lot of these sets, if that guy's covered, he has trouble on that second progression and understanding what that zone defense is going to do. But, I mean, everybody – I've seen more nickel and dime out of out of defensive coverages this year in college. Really, the NFL's moved that way too. But I've seen a whole lot of nickel and dime out of uh, the uh, out of college defenses than I haven't ever before. And I think that's just people are moving to that to kind of you know offset RPO stuff um, and offset a lot of the spread offense that we see these days. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Jared. I mean, that's ball security is either going to win or lose the game for Memphis. Uh, and I think that um, we're not really – J.J., our defense has been playing a little bit better. Um, at UCF, I went out there and I was just like – I there were too many injuries. Uh, I think we had like 12 guys injured, um, including Hennigan, in that game. And I was just like, man, this, is, this, this isn't Memphis football. Uh, and it's kind of, but we knew it was a rebuilding year. We just didn't know it was going to be that type of a rebuilding year. Uh, and I think everybody got hope when we beat Mississippi State. Like, oh wait a minute, we might be able to do something. But then UTSA came in and broke our streak. We had a 18 game winning streak at home that they broke. Uh, and by the way, that Sinclair kid, their running back, he looked. He honestly looks like a lot of the running backs that we sent to the NFL recently. And he was like playing a mirror. And I was like, okay, these guys look Memphis good when Memphis was in the Cotton Bowl in 2019. And nobody's really given that team a lot of respect, but up and close, I've seen them. And they they are some monsters. They will run over you. But, yeah, it's really a a ball control thing. We're going to run the ball fairly efficiently. Um, he likes to work off a of play action. That's what we have him doing. And I think that's the safest thing for the situation with our offensive line. We got like two guys and uh, a whole lot of prayers going on on the offensive line right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, it, it's a, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a really interesting matchup because I'm, I don't know. Um, is he Houston, the way he coaches, it's it's gonna be a very interesting matchup. I'm not I'm not sure who's gonna win this game, honestly. To be honest with you guys, yeah i I think this is gonna be one of the more exciting games of of the week uh, oh, this absolutely. this weekend because you you look at it, you got two five and four teams coming in, in to Saturday, and both are trying to get that spot. Uh, to I mean, I think ECU. I mean, it, it's always a toss up against Navy with whether that triple option is gonna hit. So I mean that that's ECU's next opponent. I don't want to look ahead, but mm-hmm. I mean to get the six wins, you've got Memphis, Navy, and you got Cincinnati. 
So, I mean, you, you really want to try to come out. Seven. You really want to come out and, and try to get that win this weekend in, in, in the Liberty Bowl. So, um, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting matchups that we see all weekend. I don't disagree at all. I think that um, it's just going to be it, it's going to it's going to be hard. Um, there, there. Re- well, be prepared. There's a psychological thing for whatever reason playing in the Liberty Bowl, and I'm not exactly sure. I can't put my finger on it, but it's not everybody. Everybody faces it, or everybody sees it when they get there. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with Memphis. And, and hopefully this isn't a night game because night games, it's almost, we always win night games for whatever reason. But um, there's a psychological thing about playing in the Liberty Bowl where it's a lot bigger than most people think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it holds around 58. Uh, it used to hold like 62. I think they just retrofitted it or whatnot. But it's a lot bigger than like, like at UCF, the bounce house. It only holds like 30,000 people. Nice, quaint. You know, it can get loud or whatnot, but that's half the people that that bowl holds. And I mean, SMU found that out, Cincinnati. Everybody finds out like, oh, this is a pretty big bowl. This is a, you know, the Liberty Bowl and the history that goes behind. It's one of the oldest, probably, I guess, probably the fifth or sixth oldest bowl in in the nation. Um, and the stadium is in an area where at night, you might not want to just be strolling down the street. You know, there's, a, <laughs> there, there's some griminess going yeah. on there there where the Liberty Bowl is at. So, you know, there's a, there's something psychological that if ECU gets over that part and actually gets into the game, then everything else, will, everything else will flow from that. But I'll say this. I don't think there's been a team that's beat Memphis without rushing for at least with one 100-yard rusher. If you can do it on the ground, you can beat us. And there's a number of reasons why. But it, it, J.J. Russell is one of them. J.J. Russell probably – are that he might actually go to the league as well. Uh, but and he's gonna you're gonna see him all over the field. You're gonna see him making tackles. If he's tackling running backs, he gets tired a lot quicker than if he's covering running backs coming out of the backfield. Just a, it's just something I've noticed. Uh, make that guy in and and Houston, Mike Houston, see Mike Houston's smart. He's probably gonna do that. He's probably gonna try and get, you know, JJ moving sideline to sideline. You know, you guys are gonna if you don't run off tackle a lot, you may see more off tackle trying to get JJ going, our middle linebacker going sideline to sideline, get him tired out so that in the fourth quarter, you know, even though he's a beast, I've seen him get tired against some teams, uh, even UTSA, and just not get there. I mean, you know, if he's getting there, usually stopping somebody in three yards, it becomes seven. You know, that's second and three, not second, you know, and seven. Um, if where he's making that tackle. So that's that's the kind of strategy behind it. It's just trying to make sure that our guys are out of position on defense. And I've I haven't I mean I I I've seen what my Houston can do. So I, I know uh you know that that he's a game planner. Yeah talk, I'll, I'll go ahead Jared. Talk talking about that, I mean looking at EC, I mean ECU's looking to have their first, I mean their first thousand yard rusher. Just about to I bring mean, this up since I believe 2013 and Ventavius Cooper. Uh-huh. Um, now we're we're talking Keaton Mitchell. I mean, this is a guy he's averaging. I believe it's like close to eight yards per rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he's at 
he's over 900 yards right now um, for the season. Now, looking at looking at a guy like him, he's a guy that once he gets to the second level, if he if he can break a tackle in the second level, he's gone. And uh-huh. that 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 brings up a good point. Like, is there other guys? Maybe how how do the safeties and the maybe the secondary get come down and, and tackle that guy? You're gonna like I said, you're gonna you the the strength of Memphis's defense is up the middle. You don't want we can match up with SEC teams with our front seven, mm-hmm. where you guys are running. You're gonna run off tackle out towards those corners. And you're going to start trying to use your speed and and start tiring out our linebackers left and right. That's that seems like the recipe this year. Teams that start doing that, that seems like the recipe this year to beat Memphis because our our corners, God bless them, they can cover. I tackle on the outside. It's not they they ain't they ain't there, man. They, there's a lot of people making business decisions out there uh, instead of getting dirty. Uh, so you know so. <laughs> We nicknamed one of them Dion for that reason. Uh, you know, great, great man coverage, tackling. Ooh, you know, it, uh, he might throw his body out there or grab a leg or something, but he's not going blow to blow, body to body with anybody. And I won't tell you who that is. You'll see him in the game. I won't tell you who that is because uh, I ain't trying to disparage those kids. But but we're not really good at tackling. The, the strong safety makes tackles. The free safety he gets to where he needs to be. The corners are not tackling. Uh, well, we have one corner that's really good at blitzing. He'll come off corner blitzes and everything else, but making tackles, it's not really. I mean, he has four four speed. He can he can hawk down anybody, but he's just not. He's not one of those guys. If you have a big bruiser uh, or somebody that has elite speed, that he's going to want to jump in front of and, and and make a tackle. He's just they just don't do that. They'd rather push him out of bounds. And I've seen it a couple of times where they've tried to push somebody out of bounds. That guy caught his caught his balance and got another 10 yards before he fell out. So you'll see a lot of that stuff instead of, you know, guys really pounding throughout the game on those sidelines. And Houston's going to take it. If, if you can get to the outside on Memphis, you're going to pick up yards because those safeties are usually playing five, 10 yards off. They don't play a whole lot of press. Um, except on third down, and they, you're going to pick up a significant amount of yards on the edges um, with your running game. That's and that's what it's going to be trying to make J, trying to get JJ Russell tired throughout the game, making those tackles because the our middle linebacker makes an probably about twenty to twenty five percent of the tackles on the team. It's 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 nonsensical. I mean, wow. people are, I already have scouts in my ear. Like uh, I had Dane Vandernet of the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl on my show yesterday. And he's, he's already like, yeah, yeah, we know we see him. So uh, there's, there's a, he's, and he's, he's an elite guy, but he's only one guy. He's only one guy. Mm-hmm. And if you can get him tired, you'll see in the fourth quarter where he starts, you know, he's gas, he's hands on the hips, gasping for air. He won't be able to get there as quickly as he can in the first or the, in, in the second quarter, the first half, so, and that makes the difference. We get beat in the second half a lot. No, I, I know you said the corners and the safeties aren't aren't tackling as well uh, yeah. right now, and we've got you know a very good tight end group 
you know, we've got two or three guys that can go out there and ball out. We've got a, a guy named CJ Johnson who's got an NFL type body who can uh-huh. go out there and make some spectacular catches. We've got a guy named Tyler Sneed who is a, uh-huh. he looks like a regular Joe Schmo, about five, eight, five, nine, a buck fifty, buck sixty. Uh, but he he's probably the best receiver on the team. How yeah. do you feel the secondary matches up with our receivers? Um, in well, this game? I'll be honest with you. That's one of the, the 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 thing that people like about our linebackers is that they match up with. There's been a lot of teams that have adopted some of the looks that NFL teams are doing, especially around the goal line when they come in with 13 personnel, three tight ends, and a running back. And our linebackers are really good at matching up with with taller linebackers. Um, in, in, the, in the passing game, for the most part, I think we're okay. Um, we still got a lot of people that don't know where they're supposed to be because mm-hmm. the team's young. But in terms of the athletic ability to be able to get to where they need to be if they understand where they're supposed to be, I think we're okay. Matching up with the, 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 the tight ends, I think that may be something – we were able we we were able to take away uh, a lot of looks uh, from Will at uh, Mississippi State's quarterback um, from their tight end group just because our linebackers cover tight ends fairly well. Um, unless and that's while we're in man, I should say, mm-hmm. and that's usually on third down. When we play these zone, we started playing and and we're trying to put more man coverage in. We started with zone because our secondary at the beginning of the year was terrible. I mean, Arkansas State had I don't know how many yards on us. Uh, they just didn't. You could tell they were they were young guys, they were freshmen, sophomores trying to figure out, you know, who was doing what, where the mistakes were going to be, and some guy would overcompensate for somebody else's mistake and he'd be out of position. And you know, second, third read, hey, there's a guy wide open streaking down the you know the seam. Who's where, where? I know you're trying to make up for that him his overcorrection, but you got the, the guy. You can't let the guy get behind you. So the the there's a lot of the in the secondary. There's a lot of learning to do between the corners and the safeties. Um, but I really like our front seven. I like how our linebackers match up with tight ends, mm-hmm. especially around the goal line. They usually took take those looks away. Uh, and and we've been able to 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 kind of take pages out of playbooks this year uh, doing that type of stuff. Now I want to switch it up just a little bit. I mean, yeah. Ryan Silverfield going into his. I mean, it's really his, it's really his first full season as true head coach. Yeah, of, of the Tigers. What can you tell me about what can you tell me about Coach Silver, Silverfield? Excellent recruiter. Game plans are sufficient. Um, He doesn't game plan like Norvell, uh, but he may be able to make better second half adjustments than Norvell. Norvell, what Norvell's skill, what he was lead at doing was coming in with a game plan. He'd have the the defenses broken down. All right, all right, we're going to hit this weakness. Then we're going to hit this weakness. Then we're going to switch up and give him a different look in the third quarter. And then by the fourth quarter, they're they're confused. They don't know what's coming at them, and they're tired. And we would overwhelm teams with just points. Um, defense notwithstanding, a lot of times, because there are teams that can score on us. Silverfield 
He's not as great of a game planner, but he adjusts in-game better than I've seen Norvell. If Norvell's out there getting beat, look what he's doing at FSU. If he's out there getting beat, he usually – he's trying he, – he doesn't know how to figure it out. Yeah. He'll go – he'll start hollering at people and whatnot, and and then he'll come out in the, in the, in the third quarter, and they're doing the same thing. You're like, well, nothing changed because he's going with his game plan. He believes so much in his game plan that it's hard for him to make in-game adjustments to it. Silver feels like, you know, he, he's he's more of a rodeo guy. He gets in there on the bull and sees where he's bucking and tries to make adjustments as it goes along. That said, his game plan's coming into There are certain things that I'm not sure if the coaching staff missed going in um, because it should have been – back to that game against Butch Jones and Arkansas State, it shouldn't have been that hard to figure out what Butch Jones was going to do and with that limited offense that Arkansas State had. But somehow it's like, did, did anybody get the notes? Was anybody looking at film uh, throughout the weekend? I don't know if that's on their coaching staff or the or the, the, the kids. I can't tell really. I'll be able I'll be able to tell next year because, like you said, this is his first full year in semi-COVID conditions or whatnot that that we're seeing, you know, some sort of progression or, uh, of his players. But right now, the, the most I can tell you is pretty much that in between um, uh, those two coaches, what I saw with Norvell as opposed to what I saw with Silverfield. Silverfield's just more in-game adjustment guy. Uh, he'll get in there maybe. He, he may have like 10 plays or the first uh, thing scripted and then just adjust from that point. Um, whereas Norvell, he'll, he'll, he'll have the entire half scripted and he'll have like different like different play sheets basically for, for the game for each quarter and where he's figured out, okay, if we're here, we're going to do this for here. We're going to do this very meticulous in thinking, but that in and of itself can be a hindrance. If somebody figures out what you're going to do and counters that encounters that encounters that. So um, that those are the, those were, are the two differences I would say in, in, in what I've seen in the past, as opposed to what I'm seeing now. I kind of want to ask you about conference realignment a little bit. Do you feel that Memphis wanted to stay in the American or do you feel that they just missed out on leaving the conference? I, my show is mainly for boosters Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what the boosters want. The boosters want to be realigned back with the guys from the Metro, Mm -hmm. which are FSU and Louisville and all those guys, Georgia tech. They're over in the ACC. Right. That's where Memphis really wants to be. Now, it's not like we won't take an invitation from the Big 12. We will. But we really want to be in the ACC, and they have been for quite a while. Mm-hmm. We feel that ever since we found, figured out that the SEC, there was no way of getting into the SEC. And there was a movement to do that at the turn of the century while I was there. Um, they were trying to they, – they were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to try and get into the SEC. We're going to try and, you know – up standards. We changed the name from Memphis State to Memphis. We're going to do this. We're going to do that academically. Um, you know, we're going to get uh, Coach Cal. We're going to bring him in big time name. We're going to do all this stuff to try and get, you know, into the SEC. And Tennessee blocked us again. No, we're like, all right, we're done. We're not going to we're not going to try for that. So at that point, a lot of the boosters had their eyes on the ACC. and. You know, we've been trying to get over there because we still think Memphis is a very good breeding ground for talent, whether you're talking about football or basketball. I mean, you got the blind side movie coming out of there 
um, you know, and, 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 and cats that were in there, Michael Orr is right there in Memphis, you know, playing, interestingly enough, playing for Hugh Freeze while I was interviewing Hugh Freeze while I was a little uh, communications major in Memphis. Um, but uh, it, it, there's so much talent. It's a very talent rich city. Uh, and those guys always get plucked off by the SEC, which is why we think the ACC would want to come there just for recruiting purposes. Um, I don't know if there's been Alabama has a couple of our guys. Tennessee usually snatches like 10 of us. Um, but a lot of the four star guys that come from Memphis, they're going to SEC teams instead right. of Memphis because, you know, and if they get overlooked, they're at Memphis a lot of times. But a lot of, you know, the, the thing that's actually changed a lot in terms of um, and I'm going to get back to to conference realignment. But the thing that's changed the the conversation a lot is the transfer portal. Right. Because Memphis has been the benefactor of the transfer portal. And with the transfer portal and NIL opening up, it's going gangbusters now. Because everybody knows that FedEx, International Paper, and AutoZone, three Fortune 100 companies are right there. Like, hey, we got money. Oh, you're going to let us give it to the kids now? Perfect. Yeah. And every, everybody wants some of that cash. So um, so th things are things are picking up recruiting-wise. And the, the transfer portal, we, we started getting guys from Mississippi, University of Mississippi, Mississippi State transferring over. Um, and, you know, we're starting to – because of NIL starting to pull those guys that are, you know, basically filling out the depth chart on a lot of these SEC teams. They want to play. Hey, come to Memphis and play. But in terms of conference realignment, I mean, I would say that the majority of boosters would rather be in the ACC than the Big 12. But it's not like we're going to pass up a Big 12 invite. Uh, but the Big 12 is still on the out right now they're not part of the alliance they're not the sec they're out and i don't know whether people realize that they're out but just just this week the ncaa um decided that they were going to change autonomy and what that means again and what i believe is going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of people that thought they were getting into a conference i think they're going to change the narrative again from power five, maybe even the power four, I don't know. Uh, but I know that, that I went through this once where they decided, hey, we're gonna, you know, the Big East slash American has an automatic bid in the BCS era. Okay, mm -hmm. hey, Memphis is getting into, you know, we're following Louisville and we're following, um, you know, everybody to the Big East with uh, UConn and everybody else, we get in and all of a sudden, hey, we're not, we're not, um, we don't have an automatic bid anymore. We don't have, there's not a pathway to the championship. Great. It's happening again, I think, to the Big 12 this time. Um, I don't think anybody's informed them, but the Board of Governors going down from 21 to 9 is something I've never seen. They just started to give, you know, kind of relinquish power, which if they're relinquishing that much power, these, these, um, these conferences are going to be self governed pretty much. And it's really only, there's really only a power to it's the Big Ten and the the, the SEC uh, in terms of finances, revenue and everything else. Uh, after that, uh, it's the Pac-12 in terms of cash and then the ACC and the Big 12 around there. 
But since this alliance happened, I think the Big 12 might be finding themselves looking around trying to get into stuff again, honestly. What do you think about ECU, honestly, in in getting into one of these conferences, one of these or five conferences? Well, with with ECU, I mean, you go back to, I believe it was 2014 when when kind of the original – like conference realignment started happening back back a couple years ago. And after the first shift, it was, all right, what's, what's the G five? I I use the quotation around G five, of course, but uh, what, what G five team is most likely to move up to the, to the next, to the next level or to the power five. Right. And Uh ECU was number two. Now I, I think, with the history of ECU athletics out, outside of basketball, the history's there. Um, looking at baseball, looking at football, mm-hmm. I mean, the, three, the three money sports, really, I mean, you, you've got two of them. And yeah. I think that ECU, the, the fan base, the alumni base, they're there. Um, the boosters need to step up a little bit more, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd say so. E- ECU is a school that should have had an indoor practice facility five, six, seven, ten, ten years ten ago. Years ago. <laughs> and there there's still there's still no plans to have that. Now, there's also been decisions that have been made inside the university by a former administration that kind of put us in a put us in a bad spot. Set us back. And, and all of our listeners, they've heard us say this time and time again. In my opinion, ECU is setting themselves up for the next time there is a realignment, then they're they're gonna be they're gonna be ready. They're gonna be in the conversation with Memphis. They're gonna be in the conversation with with a school like uh may, I mean maybe a UAB. I don't know if UAB is there yet. Um but SMU may be there. But SMU, yeah. Uh a Boise State. There's they're putting themselves back into that conversation as one of the upper echelon programs in the once again, air quotes. Uh, group of five, I I think that Coach Houston and, and uh, John Gilbert, the athletic director at East Carolina, are are heading in that direction. Um, okay. and, and we're seeing it this year. I mean, five wins since Ruffin McNeil's last season. Um, this is the first time they've gone to five wins in football since uh, 2015. So wow. I mean, this this is we're seeing we're seeing it turn around. Um, and it's, it's turning around rapidly. They had they had a they took a shot and missed on Scotty Montgomery. Thankfully, that that era's over. Um, it, he was one of those guys that he would come into a game and kind of like, kind of like what you were talking about with with Coach Norvell. He had a plan and he he wanted to do things differently. He he gutted the tight end room. I mean, Bryce Williams, one one of the um, all time ECU greats, front of the podcast. La- the, really the last good tight end he wasn't a good recruiter he, he didn't really do anything good for, for the university uh, as football coach and he, he won three games the three years he was here bring in mike houston he wins four games wins three games last year in the in the covid shortened season when right. really it should have been five games you you have whole nailers miss a game because of because of a false negative covid test and then you get shafted on some calls against Tulsa, which we won't even 
go into that, but <laughs> but was that game at Tulsa? Because I can tell you, the game. yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> it, it was it was like the night before Halloween at Tulsa. ECU had the ball, uh, some bad oh, calls, man. ball kicked the ball all, or punt the ball, and then there was two missed calls that would have turned the ball over to ECU in the final minute, and Tulsa got those calls. I mean, these were blatantly missed calls. Like it made it was like the first thing SVP Scott Van Pelt talked about on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, that's how that's how egregious it was. But yeah, I mean, I think ECU's in the headed in the right direction. Um, okay. I, I think that they're there once again. It's going to be SMU. It's going to be Memphis. It's going to be East Carolina. It's going to be Boise State. Are going to be the next four that should be set up to to go to the to the next level. Um, yeah. ECU is not going to go to the ACC. Kind of like what you were saying about uh, Memphis being blocked to the SEC by Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. You've got four ACC schools. Two of right them. There. Two of them have made it their job ever since ECU became a public institution in 1907 to block ECU from from becoming um, uh, from getting to that next level. I get I mean, it, and we're I'm talking I'm talking about NC State. I'm talking about Carolina, the two schools yeah. that we all hate the most. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> now, ECU fans. I mean, everybody's like, oh well, SEC ECU is not there. EC is yeah. not ready to go to the SEC. No, but, we're talking 20, 30 years, if that, maybe. I don't know. But I, I could see the I could see the Big 12 or possibly eventually one day, maybe the Big 10 wanting to come further south. And I mean, that would be a great travel partner with Maryland. I mean, six hours away and, and get into that North Carolina recruiting. I mean, I could mm-hmm. see that on down on down the road. Okay. Yeah, I mean. As far as conference realignment, to me, I, I agree pretty much with almost everything Jared just said. I think the boosters definitely need to step up in a big way. The indoor facility, practice facility, yeah, we've definitely been talking about that for years. Um, but it, it, to me, it's more about – because Greenville is such a small market. It's just it not is. a money-making market. And so for me, it's about winning, and it's about winning a lot, and it's about being consistent at winning. I think the current administration with – our athletic director and our coaching staff. I think all the pressure is really on them right now to make a product that people want to buy into. And so six, seven wins a season is just not going to get it done. I mean, we have to be consistently eight, nine, 10 wins a season, dominate the American conference, win a few conference championships, get into some new year's six bowls. We have to do this on a consistent basis. And then we can have a conversation about moving up into a bigger conference. To me, it's about winning not you know 10 15 years from now it's about kind of winning right now and getting those those things in motion um so i think the current administration has a tremendous amount of pressure i think they can handle it i think mike houston is a great coach um i think we do have a more competent uh athletic director than what we had before because it was just not good uh but to me because of the market that we're in we're not in a dallas or memphis or houston you know being in greenville it's going to be winning and it's going to be winning a lot so now i completely agree you you talk you talk about uh, the autonomy conferences and and getting into the college football playoff. We saw it last week. I mean Cincinnati, who I mean has a has a win over another top ten team in in the college football playoff rankings. Does I mean they're they're still sitting at six. I know I know the uh, rankings for this week are about to come out here here in the next hour or so. Yeah. What what did what was your take on on that? Do you, do you just well, think that it's not going to happen? 
so in this college and i have to i mean it's not till 9 30 uh tonight where i have to be in that meeting but i was in i, I go to those I'm, I'm in the presser after they do those and there are a lot of questions being asked and it really feels almost as if they know that they should be paying more attention to cincinnati but ohio state's right there but you know oklahoma as bad as they've been playing but still winning they're right there the michigan's still there these are big fan bases we're broadcaster you know espn's in our ear like look give us we we lost a whole lot of money last year with COVID. we need teams to broadcast with big fan bases period sometimes it's sometimes you just follow the money i'm in broadcast too i i know i know what the ratings are sometimes you follow the money and you kind of just see okay this team brings an audience of x this team brings an audience of y even if we move that to a new year's six ball game you know you can see the the disparities or whatnot whether or not you have like if memphis is playing penn state it's going to do this if penn state's playing um florida it's going to do this and you know that as a broadcaster and when you're selling advertising you're selling advertising around those ratings or what the projected ratings are so a lot of Cincinnati is probably a worse spot, honestly, maybe than even UCF a few years ago, where I know that people are going to be trying to make money back from the COVID shutdown. And I think they're going to be on the outside looking in, maybe even with the undefeated record. Now, that won't be the case if we can get, you know, um, Ohio State and Alabama, which we know both of those two teams are immune to a one loss season. One loss to one of those, one loss and not even playing in your conference championship doesn't mean anything to those two Mm -hmm. because we've seen both of them get in without having to do or having to qualify the way these other teams have. Um, If if Alabama loses again or, and or if both of them, if Ohio State, because Clemson's out, if Ohio State and, and, and Alabama lose again, then I think we have, we're set up for a really good chaos moment because you have to start asking yourself well how you know is michigan state really that much better than cincinnati nah, not really you know they can they can play on the same we watched at the beginning of the year we watched cincinnati play georgia uh, or i hope I, I i hope everybody did uh we watched that peach bowl and we watched georgia kick the field goal to beat them late in the fourth cincinnati has most of that team back i'm not trying to compare them to georgia this year because georgia this year they look they're, they're historically good defense. <laughs> yeah. Historically good. Um, I think they've only given up what six, seven touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Memphis and gave they, that. They're, but, still, they're still not the number one rated defense in college football, and that's wild, isn't it? Wisconsin. It's wild that they they're playing this good and they're still not even ranked number one in defense. Um, who is now? Is it Alabama? Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Okay, wow. Wisconsin. That may be also, it could, well, Big Ten has really good offenses too, but it could be the type of offenses that they're playing. Those offenses in the Big Ten don't score traditionally a lot of points. I remember when Memphis in 2019, Penn State, all the Penn State guys, they were like, man, y'all scored 39 points on us. Nobody in the Big Ten scored that many points on us the entire season, including Ohio State. So their 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 the their offenses are usually limited 
um, maybe based on who they get, but their offenses are usually limited in terms of a whole lot of athletic talent. Ohio State was standing. Nebraska was standing sometimes. But that's why, you know, you have an Oregon that walks in early season. Ohio State's messing around. They get kicked in the teeth by an athletic team, not as big, not as strong, but somebody who can run by you uh, if you're out of position. And that's what happened plenty of times in that game. But I think Cincinnati's in a, a quandary that they they have to keep winning, number one. If they lose, they're out. But even if they do, they may be caught in a situation where the college football playoff committee has to make a business decision and pick a one-loss Alabama and a one-loss Ohio State to put in this thing just to make some money this year. And if Cincinnati's around next year, maybe they get in. Who knows? I mean, you know, you 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 have that argument. But I, personally, I think they've done enough. I think they've done enough of the, in in voting. They're number four on my uh, in my national vote in my poll. Um, and I think our association has them in either number four or number three this this week. The FWAA NFF Super Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they've done enough to be in. Um, I try to be as, as, as objective as possible when, when doing that. And it's really hard, honestly, um, trying to figure out who should be in and who should be out. But the way Oklahoma has been playing, I mean, I just head to head matchups, common teams and opponents. I, I think they're going to be, if they get in as an undefeated team, I think that they're going to be the first team out. Now it may be because of the change in quarterback. And by the way, what what do you think Spencer Rattler's thinking right now? Wow. Coming in as a Heisman guy. <laughs> what, I mean, it's a top think? five draft pick, and now he's just riding the bench. I mean, he's that is I, crazy. I, I saw something today. He, he's looking to transfer, so. Yeah, he's going to have to. Whew. I mean, that's a I, – I don't think I've – since I've been doing this, I don't think anybody's come in top three as a proverbial favorite for the Heisman and not be a starter by week eight. Right. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but um, that may be one of the 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 syndromes we start seeing with NIL deals is that kids are worried more about this cash mm-hmm. instead of the, those playbooks. That may happen. If that happens, you know, th- that's going to be something that people, you know, they, they start seeing. Advertisers are going to see that um, he's going to be a, he's going to be a test case uh, for a lot of coaches like, hey, don't do don't do what that guy does. Right. And lose your starting position because that's why you have an NIL deal. But um, you know, I, I think Cincinnati's done enough. Oklahoma to me looks weaker than Cincinnati. Um, those two undefeated teams, I would pick Cincinnati in the head-to-head right now. Uh, even though I don't, I don't, I'm not really sold on the quarterback position of either. I think there are a lot of other better quarterbacks out there than either one of them have. Um, I just Hennigan in a head-to-head might be able to. Well, maybe not this year, but next year could probably beat either one of their quarterbacks. So I, mm-hmm. I um, I don't know. I I'm not sold on. I'm sold on 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 Cincinnati's defense. The and I think everybody should be too. What happened last week where they had back-to-back goal line stands? NFL teams buckle under that type of pressure. They held them out at eight plays, no rest. <laughs> they lined it up like you can't right get on the one. And they didn't. And I mean, I was 
I was going crazy. A, a defensive guy like me, I was like, that's right. Defense wins championships. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I was going crazy. I was like, man, that's a defense. That's, you know, I, I think I would like to see uh, Cincinnati versus Georgia round two. I want to see it now. But I don't know if the I, I, for for financial reasons, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the, this college football playoff committee is going to um, let Cincinnati in. Also, something that I say on my show that I've I've talked to the committee about it. I asked four years ago, hey, why is nobody on the selection committee? Why don't each one of these people on the selection committee usually have a tie to a university or something, and they're recused from voting against or voting for that university. They can still vote for people in the conference, but voting for that university. There's still, after what is year eight, mm-hmm. there's still nobody that's been on the, the selection committee, not in the higher up, but on the selection committee, voting actually, that's been in the American Athletic Conference or had to recuse themselves from an American Athletic Conference team. There's somebody that's gotten their master's degree or something, but nobody that's actually either working there, or got their bachelor's or has some a strong enough tie to actually, you know, be recused from voting against that university. Yet, you know, I mean, Mitch Barnhart's there from Kentucky. You know, I mean, there's there are other guys there. I mean, I'm like, why why is it that it's been it's year eight? You know, seven new guys came in this year because the question last year was when is it going to happen? Seven new guys came in this year. Still, nobody from the American Athletic Conference represented on that committee. So I think that's always been to me that's the story. Eight years. <laughs> Nobody, you know, from the on the selection committee that had to recuse themselves from an American Athletic Conference team, which means there's nobody really in the ear of any of those guys. It sounds like an agenda. So let's get let's get Vince McMahon in there. (laughs) (laughs) We should. That'd be great, honestly. I mean, could you imagine the the theatrics from that? That oh man, (laughs) Sandra Bullock. I mean, if Condoleezza Rice can, I mean. Right. What's Chris Johnson doing these days? We need to get him in there. Well, Players get in. You know, friend of the podcast. He he's uh he's running a coffee shop coffee down in Florida. Shop. Yep, that's really? exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That, that, okay. We had him on. We had him on the podcast probably about, about three months ago. About three months ago, yeah. By July. <laughs> yeah, so, running a coffee um, shop in Florida, huh? Yeah, great guy living down. I, th- I think he's living down near Orlando. Um, okay. Awesome okay. guy to talk to, but. Um, I, 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 we're going to let you go here in a minute, but I, I wanted to get your take. I mean, this matchup this weekend, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's a big game for both teams. We've already talked about it. What is, we've talked a lot about the offense and defense of, of both teams. What's going to be the one key for Memphis or ECU to win this, win this ball game? ECU needs 150 yards rushing to win this ball game. Total if you about- with 150 yards rushing, then they're gonna they're probably gonna win this ball game. It's very doable. Uh, Memphis needs one turnover or less. If you can, if all those freshmen out there make only, they can withstand probably one mistake, two, three. No, no. If Hennigan's thrown two picks by halftime, I'm going to bed. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a wrap because, you know, I, I, and, and great kid, he's going to learn from those mistakes. Um, and if he's healthy enough to play, he's, he's, you know, there's, there's a lot of injuries out there too, but it's a, it's a, it's, we have to win or at least not hurt ourselves with the turnover battle. 
Um, and if we can stop ECO on the ground, I that that leads to it energizes that defense for some reason. Um, and the the opposite's true. You know, I mean, I expect Jaquan to be out there like, yeah, I'm gonna get Hennigan. I'm gonna get. I, what, what is, is Jaquan a? Is he a sophomore or a junior? Um, I he's a junior, right? I believe, He's going to see Hennigan at least another year. Yep. You know, they'll, they'll probably play. He's not – well, he might go to the draft this year, but he'll probably see Hennigan another year. Yeah, I, I, I think, sure I think he will come back. I, I, okay. I don't think yeah. he's going to the draft this year, no. Okay, okay. So he's probably going to see Hennigan another year. Uh, maybe ne- – or I don't know if they're on the schedule for next year, but, you know, they'll at least be in the same conference. Um, and, you know, he wants to get – he wants to – he wants to – he's going to try and take advantage of this freshman. Um and I expect him to at least get one pick. I that's the turnover I expect. I expect that guy to get a turnover if we can stop from fumbling it or 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 or, or turning the ball over anywhere else. Then I think we're still in this game in the fourth quarter. But it's really going to be, you know, what ECU's done on the ground up to the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. JJ tired now because he's been running sideline to sideline trying to make tackles um, because that. Your offense is going to open up a lot if if you if if it's if it's the second if it's the third quarter and you break a hundred yards rushing, you're going to start seeing your offense just start picking up momentum and speed from that point on. Uh, because I, all, all the offenses that have done that on on this team on this particular Memphis team have started breaking it open uh, at the end of the game, and ECU's not they have the talent to do just the same. Or right, do you got anything else? Man, no, that was, was going to be the last question I had. Well, Spence, so tell, tell everybody where they, where they can find you, where they can uh, read your stuff and, and see all the stuff you're doing. Sports Radio America, this is our 10-year anniversary. COVID hit us really hard, um, but we're, we're rebuilding. We're uh, starting to pull more talent in uh, and getting them prepared for the next, uh, next generation of, uh, of, of sports media. Uh, I'm on live uh, noon to two Eastern Mondays and Thursdays uh, this season as things start picking back up. Um, I, I used to do a daily show, starting to get a little long in the tooth. You know, my there's a little gray in my beard. My wife, my wife's making fun of me these days. So, you know, I, I can only do it twice a week these days instead of every day. But um, and I got a lot of other different responsibilities that I'm doing. But but I'm on noon to two Eastern. You can always catch me there. I've got a ton of guys uh that, that that i bring in and and, and have on the show um, and it's a really fun show i usually get into i'm a paralegal um so i get into a lot of the legal stuff a lot of the financial stuff and really just talk to these boosters and tell them what direction they need to be headed in trying to give them a something other than back rub radio that you'll hear you know on your local on your local stations in many of these markets awesome well thank you again for joining us on the boneyard podcast it's been a real pleasure. Um, next Absolutely. time ECU, uh, ECU and Memphis match up, we'll have to have you on again because this this has been great. Bring me back, man. I'm a you know I'm more available in the evenings than I than I am during the day trying to trying to uh, you know uh, manage everything. So yeah, yeah man, um, catch up with me, guys. It's been great. I appreciate, appreciate the fight. Definitely, anytime. That was one of our best interviews. I mean, and I I had a, I, I did, I had a blast talking to him.
Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the more enjoyable interviews because it was more of a conversation than an interview. We have a lot of people that come on to this show. Pretty much every episode, we have somebody come on to the show. And we are grateful and appreciative of everybody that's ever been on this show because you've made it what it is today. But when you can have a guy come on and you're just you're kind of just like like we say, we're just shooting the shit. We're talking football, but we're really giving you an analytical point of view. And it's just more conversation. It flew. And, you know, 55 minutes felt like 25, 30 minutes. But it was I mean, it was a dope conversation and I had a good time. I mean, there, this is no shot at anybody that we've had on the podcast. There's been times where I've looked at already like 20 minutes in and we're like, yeah, we're like, yo, we got we got, got, we got anybody else or we got anything else. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. I could I could have kept talking to him. I could have yeah. kept talking to him. Yeah. We could have gone. You and I could have probably talked to him for an hour and a half. And if it wasn't a weeknight, if it was like the weekend, we probably would still be talking to him. I mean, heck, we should have just said, hey, let's do a live stream watching this game this weekend. Right. Uh, so, yeah, and he's great. Um, I I don't know. I, I had a blast. That That's two weeks where we've had great interviews. I mean, Courtney last week, I mean. Oh, yeah, Courtney was phenomenal. Friend of the podcast. Wow. I mean, already. Came I, up to us at the game and wanted I, to get a picture with us. I've never. I've that, never was, that was phenomenal. Never in my life has anybody ever asked me. Hey, can we take a picture? <laughs> we take a picture, right? I was like, Came up to us on the sideline. But yeah, that was dope. Shout out to Courtney. Court, Courtney, Courtney's uh, the real deal. Shout out to her. Um, but Artie, let's. Uh, it, it's already been a long podcast. I mean, we're, right. we're probably going on an hour and twenty minutes or so um, mm-hmm. now. Artie, let's 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 go ahead and start wrapping it up. Uh, you got to walk the plank. Yes, I do have a walk the plank. I, I absolutely do have a walk the plank. <sighs> last night. Oh, I know what you're talking. I know what you're going to do. Last night, I terribly. That's bullshit. Had to watch my Chicago Bears get ramrodded and just pummeled by a bunch of damn zebras that were paid off by the National Football League because for some reason they wanted Rooney's team and the Pittsburgh Steelers to win that football game last night. Chicago did everything they could have done to come back in that game. We were down two scores. We were down, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 points at some point. I forget. We came all the way back. Justin Fields has these two beautiful passes to, you know, get the lead back. There's a minute and I think 45 seconds left in the game. And even then, I'm like, okay, we've been ramrodded all night. The refs have literally, I mean, you can literally see, go back and watch the game. They were giving Pittsburgh that game. We might have had a few fouls that were our our fault, and I will admit to that. But a lot of those calls were just ticky-tacky and bullshit. Excuse my language. But after that drive. I dropped an F-bomb on here earlier, Artie. It doesn't matter. After that drive by Justin Fields, I said, okay. Even even though the refs are are doing everything they can, we just have the resiliency and the fight to want to win this game. And then all of a sudden, Pittsburgh's driving. I think it's a third down, and there is a freaking um, taunting penalty. And I forget the player that it is. It's a white guy with a bunch of tattoos. I, I forget his name. Number fifty four, I believe. Taunting for doing what? He looked at the sound. If you look at the replay. He literally walked towards the kicker. Well, no, he was walking back from the kicker, looked at the sideline, didn't say nothing. He might have said a few words like, oh, yeah, let's go. I did that, yada, yada, whatever. He wasn't cursing. He wasn't talking. He wasn't doing nothing malicious. Walking away, not walking towards the sideline, 
and it gets a 15-yard taunting penalty. That is one of the most egregious things I've ever seen in my life. It helps set up Pittsburgh for the game-winning field goal. So I've never been a person that says, oh, I believe it's fixed. But when it happens to my team, damn it, that shit was fixed. They, 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 they had it in for us all night. They gave it to Rooney's team. It is what it is. But NFL, them damn zebras, and Roger Goodell walked the damn plank. And if I don't get an apology, I'm sending a letter to somebody. <laughs> that, that reminds <laughs> me of the time that I called uh, the Major League Baseball Commissioner's office after the Braves got shafted on a call. This was probably Ridiculous. two or three years ago. I, I called the commissioner's office and talked to somebody. I said, I want a formal apology. I want an apology. For... As a Bears fan, I want an apology. I'm dead serious about that. I, I stayed up. It was a game out west. I stayed up till like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. watching a game that went into extra innings and the Braves lost on a terrible call. And I was like, this is bullshit. I mean, so yeah. Already, all right. So I've got. I'm gonna do a. Uh, I feel bad for, for this team and their fans. I, mean, I don't really know how many real fans they have in their new city. Las Vegas. Seattle. Oh, Vegas. Okay. The Raiders. Oh, I don't know yeah. how many fan fans. Oh no, man. The the Raiders have a huge fan base. No, they're but not. I'm talking about. In, I'm fans. talking about in Vegas. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still a big fan base, though. Even in Vegas. Uh, but anyways, you have you have the incident with John Gruden and his emails and yep. him uh, resigning or being fired for justifiable reasons. Yes. Then you uh, you have Henry Ruggs last week that was driving. What was he doing? Like 156 miles per hour. He was doing 156. Yeah. Drunk driving. Runs into the back of. I mean, this is your former first round pick. Runs all into the back of a lady, kills the lady. He's looking at twenty years in prison. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember the the last guy's this last guy's name. Uh, let's see. Was it? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what this guy's name is. But anyways, made made a death threat and threatened to kill some people and showing off his gun online or whatever. This, this is another player the, for the Raiders? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even hear about this. It came out like yesterday. Oh, my goodness. That's three in like a month, Artie. Well, look, look the, the, that guy is just an idiot. Uh, the John Gruden thing was justified. The Henry Rugg story just makes me sad. I, that, that story really – I mean, that's just – it's just sad. You can't justify it. There's no reason for it. That's just one of those things. It really should have never happened. The NFL puts things in place for players that go out and get drunk. Like you, like they literally have multiple outside of Uber and Lyft, they have multiple outlets that will get them back to where they need to get to. Um, it's just sad. Right. He killed, killed the lady and her dog. I, I hate that situation. So the Raiders 2020 draft round one, Henry Ruggs, he's in prison. Uh, also in round one, Damon Arnett. This is the guy that uh, got cut. Uh, he was a 2018 first-round draft pick. 
Their first pick in round three, Lynn Bowden, was traded, played zero snaps. Uh, their second pick in round three is Brian Edwards, their, one of their starting receivers. Uh, then the third pick in round three, Tanner Muse, he was cut, zero snaps. Uh, you got in round four, their first pick in round four, uh, John Simpson, he, he's a backup. And then Nick Robertson in the, their last pick of the draft, is benched. So that's their 2018 draft. The Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think anything could be worse than uh what is it Al, is his name Al Davis? Is that is that the son? Is, is it Al Davis Jr.? Al know. Davis Jr. Al, Al Davis is the the former owner. And yeah. I think founder. Well, I didn't I, I didn't think anything could get worse than his haircut, but uh but it has. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he should just go bald at this point. He, he hold on to that like Donald Trump trying to hold on to his toupee. <laughs> they ain't got to go. Uh, all right, Artie. Um, let's, uh, let's talk some uh, college football this weekend. Some good sure. matchups. Um, we'll start off uh, in the SEC. Mississippi State travels to Auburn. Um, Auburn is a five-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under is 50. Um, this is gonna be an interesting matchup. You got a five and four, seventeenth ranked team against a six and three, thirteenth ranked team. Yeah, who's I five know. and four and ranked? Mississippi State. Huh? Yeah. Why? They ain't beat nobody good. BNC State. Well, like I Memphis. said, they haven't beaten nobody good. <laughs> Who've they beaten? Lost, they're lost five and four, and they're sitting at seventeen. Yep. And beat okay. Louisiana Tech by a point. All right. That makes sense, I guess. Beat Louisiana Tech by a point. Beat NC State by two touchdowns. I don't remember ever seeing a five and four team ranked that high. 17 is lost is pretty to Memphis. Good. Lost to LSU. Beat Texas AM. Got blown out by Alabama. Blew out Vanderbilt. Beat Kentucky. Lost to Arkansas last week. Okay, so they so they beat A and M and they beat Kentucky. Yep. But A and M still got two losses and Kentucky's got two losses. Yep. So it's not like they beat like you know top five and top then lost to teams. Arkansas. That seventeen is too good for a four loss team. They'll they'll probably they'll probably drop in the rankings. The rankings haven't come out yet as of recording this on Tuesday night. Um, they'll probably drop in the rankings. Uh, later on tonight, they'll probably drop to 22, 23. Now, I, I say all that, and they're going to beat Auburn this Saturday, and I'm going to be fucking wrong. So, yeah, it is what it is. You, you got them beating Auburn? Jared, I don't know college football no more. All of my picks have been kind of off the last yep. three, four, five weeks. That reminds so, me. Who who called the UNC? Yeah, you called that. You called that. I, I need to honestly I might just start a betting podcast. I don't I don't put money on these games, but I might just start a betting podcast. I, I, I probably... didn't I didn't know Wake Forest defense was so bad that they'd give up almost 60 points. So <laughs> but uh yeah, you called that. Honestly, yeah, no, honestly, yeah, give me Mississippi State. I will take Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm gonna take Mississippi State. Uh they'll at least cover, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, what I say they're five and a half point uh they're five and a half point underdog on the road. I mean Auburn's right. a tough place to play, but but yeah, um, all right. Baylor host Oklahoma, another five and a half point spread. Same time, twelve o'clock kickoff. 
Oklahoma is a five and a half point road favorite mm-hmm. against Baylor. I think uh I think Baylor gets them. Baylor, Oklahoma? Yeah. Seven this, two Baylor number might, twelve in the country. You see, I I don't know because Oklahoma does have a really good quarterback now after making that quarterback change. I still think Oklahoma's gonna get caught. I don't believe in Oklahoma. I still think they're a contender. Baylor has been suspect at times. Lost to TC so, last week. Yeah, o- Oklahoma winning this game, like I'm not gonna dot any eyes and you know think anything of it. But I think I agree. Give me Baylor. This this might be the week they get caught. Baylor I, I might th- Baylor might be game for this. I think so. Um all right, Artie. Number two, Alabama hosts New Mexico State. <laughs> one and eight, New Mexico State. Bama's a 51 and a half point favorite. New Mexico covers. I think New Mexico covers. Bama is a 51 and a half point favorite. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think I think the goal for New Mexico State, we should make a bet. Does Bama get to 60 points in this game? Does Bama get to 60? They they might damn near get uh <laughs> they might get 70 or 80. <laughs> the over under is 67. I'm I'm gonna I mean, give, uh, they're getting 60. Alabama's um, third stringers could probably beat New Mexico State by 30. So I've never seen it. So New Mexico State has a 0.1% chance. On the matchup predictor. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying that there's a chance. Yeah, so, honestly, the only the only news in this is if Alabama's going to get over 60. It's very hard for any football team to score over 60 points on anybody. I think that's 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 the news on this one. Is Alabama going to put up a basketball number on New Mexico State? I I think, like I said, I think I know New I know Alabama wins. I think New Mexico State covers. I, I don't think Alabama beats them by 52 points. Is this the greatest upset in the history of sports if New Mexico State pulls it off? Mm. A 51-and-a-half-point favorite loses? That's got to be the greatest upset in the history of sports. You keep talking, and I'll, I'll look it up real quick. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm real curious about that. I've never seen a 51-and-a-half-point favorite. That is insane. Like I'm trying to think of some of the biggest like David versus Goliath matchups. That I mean that's that's absurd. It's not going to happen. Alabama's going to win this game by a lot of points. But I'm just curious. If God says, you know, to hell with the numbers and to hell with whatever else is going on, I want New Mexico State to win this game. It's got to be the biggest upset. Um The for a team to beat another team, the biggest upset in sports history is uh, the 1980 uh, Olympic men's hockey team uh, beating USA over Russia. Yeah, we had a good team. No, we didn't. We weren't supposed to. Yeah. We weren't supposed to win. I mean, Russia was the that was the greatest assembled hockey team probably ever. But USA wasn't. They weren't New Mexico State. It, they were plus one hundred thousand, Artie. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't one in eight New Mexico State. <laughs> they were plus one hundred thousand. <laughs> so that's the greatest upset in the history of sports. Uh, yeah. The only other one um, wasn't that for a championship though. Wasn't that for a gold medal? Yeah, that was a gold medal. 
So that means the USA beat previous teams to get there. We're talking yeah. about a single game matchup. That's all right. I'll I'll see if there's a single game matchup. Nah, that, no, we, no, we don't have to do all that. We don't have to do all that. It, I'm confident. This, this, I'm confident talking, that this would be the greatest upset in the history of sports. The, the only other one, th- this is looking at like championships. Um, number sixteen UMBC over number one Virginia. Okay, yeah, that was the greatest in the history of sports, though. Oh, that's up yeah. there, though. That's the greatest in college basketball history. I would, I, I would say that sixteen over one, absolutely. Um, I just a fifty-one and a half point favorite. Oh my goodness. We don't have to do all this research. Alabama's going to win by a lot. Oh, I want to know now. Alabama, Alabama's going to win, Chair. <laughs> They're going to win. It's not. Uh, yeah. This, it. Yes. This would be. This would be number one. Uh, number one in college football history. Here it is. Um, Howard was a forty-five and a half point uh, underdog at UNLV back in twenty seventeen, and then beat them forty-three to forty. Okay, so yeah, this would be the number one. Yeah, this. this I'm not just saying the college football. I'm saying the sports history. Like, do you can you understand what the media would do if New Mexico State beats Alabama? (laughs) Oh my goodness! Number two is Stanford at USC in 2007. Three is Syracuse at Louisville 2007. Uh, Four is Temple at Virginia Tech 1998. So yeah, and then five rounding it out. Texas State at Houston, uh, and 2012. So yeah, there you go. There it is. Um, all right, already. Already next on the docket. Let's see. We got another good game. A couple good games here. Um, NC State at Wake Forest. Ooh. This weekend, Wake is a two point favorite against seven and two. Number 19, NC State. Um, Wake Forest, number nine right now. They're going to drop um, later on tonight. Yeah, they'll so, probably drop 15, 16. Yeah, I, I don't see them inside the top 12. Um, So, yeah, NC State at Wake Forest. I think Wake beats NC State. Yeah, I, I think Wake beats NC State, too. I think it's going to be a lot like the Wake Carolina game, though. NC State's going to score a lot of points. Wake Forest is going to score more. No, that's that's kind of how I say it. It'll probably be like a 42-38, 42-41 kind of ball game. Yeah, Wake. Type. This is this is going to be the best game in the ACC all year, though. Wake Wake is a uh, two point favorite. The over under is sixty six and a half. Um, the I winner think, of this game should win the conference. I, I think so. It's either going to be the winner of this game or um, I'm not really sure. Like the stand. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, whoever wins this game is pro- whoever wins this game will host or will be the um, representative from the Atlantic Division in the ACC, mm-hmm. and then they'll have to play Pitt, um, most likely. Right. Yeah. This. This would. Yeah, I think the winner of Wake NC State is going to win the whole thing as far as ACC. It, do you think if you told anybody back in August that the ACC championship might be Wake Forest versus Pitt? <laughs> Power five, my ass. Smacked you in the face. Power five, my ass. 
Um, all right, Artie. And then I'm trying to see, are there any other, let's see what's going on in the eight in the American. We've got a couple games going on. Um, this is a good game. UCF at SMU, um, six and three UCF goes to Dallas. Uh, SMU is the seven point favorite, um, coming off two straight losses to Memphis and Houston. Artie, what are your thoughts? Oh, I, this is a man, this, that's a tough one. You said UCF SMU, right? Yeah. In Dallas. In Dallas. You know, I, I, I really think SMU is going to keep losing. Honestly, I, I think UCF is going to be game ready for this. I think UCF goes in and, and, and gets a win in Dallas. I could be wrong. Probably will be wrong. But I think Gus Malzahn is going to have them boys ready. I think UCF is is really adamant about getting to at least eight wins, if not nine. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think UCF will be game ready. I think they walk into Dallas and beat SMU. Yeah, I uh, I think so, too. I think SMU, um, I don't think they're the real deal. I, I said it earlier on the podcast. Uh, now, somebody that is the real deal, deal this Tanner Mordecai kid, um, I mean, this kid is a hell of a uh, quarterback for SMU, but I, I think Mikey Keene um, might be a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, give me uh, give me UCF. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to also – I'm going to take the under – on 16 and a half points. I think, I think we're looking at like a, I think we're looking at like a 28, 21 game. Yeah, I agree. I could see it in there like that. All righty. And then, um, the, the game of the week already, honestly, what we said it earlier, one of the more interesting games in college football this weekend. In I, my I opinion, I don't think a lot of people will be watching this game, but I agree. I think this will be one of the more interesting I mean, games. Of the weekend, you, you've got a lot of uh, you got, got a lot of you got a lot of good games going on at, at in the twelve o'clock time slot, um, which is when this when this game will kick off. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that Auburn game is at twelve o'clock. I'm trying to go back. Let's see, at twelve o'clock, you've got. Michigan at Penn State, New Mexico State at Alabama, Oklahoma yeah, I'm at my, Baylor. I'm gonna have my clicker ready. It's gonna be going back and forth from Michigan ECU. Uh, Mississippi State at Auburn's also at twelve. Northwestern at Wisconsin's at twelve. I mean, those are four or five games, top twenty-five teams playing at twelve o'clock. So I don't know if there'll be that many eyes on this game, but I'll be watching this game already and. Uh, ECU is a five and a half point dog. Uh, line started at eight, quickly to six. Now it's down to five and a half. I think I think ECU wins this game. I yeah, think, I, go ahead. I think on paper, ECU, and I know the game's not played on paper, but already I think ECU is a better team than Memphis right now. I, I yeah, and that's not even a biased take. I I, I wholeheartedly believe that ECU. If they go out in and play their style of game, I think they beat Memphis. I think Spence said it best, honestly. If we go in and we can get over, you know, 150 or get right near 150 rushing yards and we continue to get a – I think we got a turnover. I don't know how many straight games we have a turnover in, but it's a lot. We didn't get one against Temple. We didn't get one against – oh, that's right. We didn't get one against Temple. 
but before I know before that we had we had a turnover in a, in a lot of games. Um, I, I I think the goal is Keaton Mitchell's got to go off. I think Rajay's got to be the thunder to his lightning. The defense needs to hold. Our secondary needs to play great. Um, I think our front seven needs to be competent, but I think our secondary really needs to play great. He did mention they got that Austin kid that is phenomenal. Um, so Jaquan, and do we have an update by the way on Jaquan McMillan? Just a little uh, side note. I, I was I was looking to see if we had an update. As of right now, we don't. Um, okay. So because if he's not playing in this game, that's news. yeah. If he's not playing in this one, that is a huge deal. Huge. But hopefully yeah. he is healthy and he is playing. If that is the case, um, I agree. I think ECU wins this game. It's not going to be a blowout either way. Memphis is not going to blow us out. ECU is not going to blow out Memphis. I think it's going to be a really close, good ball game. Both of these teams know what's at stake. They're both trying to get to six wins. You get to six wins, you're guaranteed not to have a losing season, and you're going to go to a bowl game. So I think both teams know the pressure and what's at stake in this game. Um, going to Memphis has never been an easy thing for anybody to do and get a win. But I think we do pull it off. I think you're going to see one of the more efficient games from Holt Naylor's in this one. I don't think he's going to play great, but I think he's going to play efficient. And look for one of our receivers. I don't really care who. I don't care if it's a tight end, Tyler Sneed, C.J. Johnson. Look for one of them to go off in this game. I think I think I think one of our receivers is due to have a hundred plus. Yeah, I I think. I mean, you look at it, and I I have the the defensive standings like in front of me looking at like total team defense. Yeah. Um East is in the seventies, about middle of the pack. But you got I mean you got uh Memphis who is I believe they're ninetieth. Okay. No, no, they're worse than that, I believe. Let's see. Jerry, we are defense I was sitting at like one thirty, one thirty one just two years ago. If not I mean, Mem- last year. Mem- so, Memphis is 82 and they're I'll, I'll take 70 right now. Memphis is 82. They're averaging, uh, giving up 400 yards per game. They've given up 33 touchdowns this year. They're five and five and three tenths yards per play. I mean, you can, you can get yards on this team and we've seen, that ECU hasn't had a problem getting yards. Their problem has been finishing drives. And we finishing saw that we've seen it the last two weeks, ECU has figured out how to finish drives. I, I think I think the number one factor in this game, though, and, and I've said this before, we have to be a program and a team that knows how to win close games against decent to good to great ball clubs. I think this is going to be a close game. ECU knows how to blow out bad teams. They yep. also know how to lose to pretty good teams. But yep. in a matchup like this where it's pretty even, we are going to have to figure out how to close out a pretty good team on their home field when all the marbles at stake. That that's that's what it's going to come down to. Because I, like I said, it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. I really, really do. And I think it's going to come down to the last four to five minutes of, of, of the football game. Can we figure out a way? to finish the, you know, finish the deal, close the gap, get it done. If we figure that out, then I'm telling you right now, we walk into Cincinnati and I don't want to look ahead, but we walk into Cincinnati, you know, in, in a few weeks, we're going to be seven and four. We're going to knock off Navy. We're going to be seven and four. We're going to walk him in probably a top five team in the nation at that time. So, but it all starts this Saturday. I, I, I agree with you. I think if you win this game uh, and I don't want to look ahead, I think if you win this game, 
next week becomes just even easier. I mean, you, you have the weight off your back of trying to get ball eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that had, point, it's a stack of wins. Yeah. We're, we're trying to improve our bowl yeah. at that point. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking ECU. Um, I know I take ECU every week. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I truly believe, like, nothing I'm looking at on – and nothing I'm looking at as far as Memphis scares me. Not, I mean, I'd be lying if I said Houston didn't scare me. I'd be lying if I said UCF didn't scare me. Playing at Memphis, that that's the one thing that they have on us is that they get to play at home. That's the one thing, and I, I'm I'm taking it. ECU, ECU wins. I'm gonna say ECU wins. 3530. 3530. Um give me 3127. Okay. 3127 East Carolina University. All right, roll pirates. Well, Artie, any any final thoughts? Nah, it's been like a two hour episode. Let's go ahead and get this thing on out of here. Been yeah, we, fun though. We've been recording for forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, Artie, um, it's been fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram. We're gonna start doing some live stuff here soon. So uh so you're gonna you're gonna wanna make sure you're following us everywhere so that you can make sure that uh you're you're seeing that live content. So uh Artie, until next time. Yes, sir. Deuce. Peace. <laughs>